The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. The key is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley as we begin a brand new Wednesday. A very special Wednesday. On Red Eye Radio, Gary, how are you? <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, now, re- remember when uh, Rick Scott came out with his uh, uh, plan before the midterms uh, last year and was talking about the fact of having to reform Social Security and everybody was like, shh. Yeah, yeah. No, no, not now, yeah. not now, yeah. not now, not now. Right. And uh, so there were some Republicans upset at him. I just uh, I, I, I just, just saw this audio just before we get on the air. Rick Scott and said, I got to play this because mm. this made me laugh. Okay. This made me laugh in a good way. Yeah. This right. made me laugh. All right. All right. Here we go. This is Rick Scott from Florida. Senator Rick Scott here. Let me give you a, a travel warning. If you're a socialist, communist, somebody that believes in big government, I would think twice. Think twice if you're thinking about taking a vacation or moving to Florida. <laughs> We're the free state of Florida. We actually don't believe in socialism. We actually know people. And we, some people in our state lived under it. We know people lived under socialism. It's not good. It's not good for anybody. So if you're thinking about it, if you think about coming to Florida and you're a socialist or communist, think twice. We like freedom, liberty, <laughs> capitalism, things like that. <laughs> so another travel That's advisory funny. for Florida. Yes. If you're a commie or a socialist. Listen. Or a, he, he didn't mention pinko. Yeah. If you're a pinko. Uh, no, that's actually the color for the code of the warning. It is a pinko warning. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. – uh, I'm not sure if they updated you on that. I think uh, Governor DeSantis put that in like a couple days ago. Um, the, the pinko warning. <laughs> Anti-communist. And, and the, the the best thing is, is I was <laughs> – you know, I, I just – I always go to, you know, YouTube every single day because there's just so much material you can get from what's going on in D.C. Mm-hmm. And, and also, there's the other stuff, you know, the other stuff in my history and, and what came up. It's like, you know, take my mind off of work a little bit. It was like, oh, yeah. oh, the best of Seinfeld, the best of Mickey. Yeah. And then it's the, it was the commie episode. Yeah. <laughs> Where, remember, he was the elf to Kramer. Right. Yeah. And the little kid, Santa's a commie. He's a commie. <laughs> <laughs> 
Santa's not a commie. I heard him. I heard him. He's a commie. Oh, <laughs> uh, I love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> no pinko commies in Florida. <laughs> You're not welcome in Florida. <laughs> and don't even think about Texas. We stopped you at the border. Uh, our friends in Oklahoma actually do all of our enforcement. <laughs> you can't come in. No. Well, we do have a set. We do. There, Austin is a sanctuary commie. City, you can so you can be a pretend commie. You can go you as can far. Pre- you pre- you, you pretend commies you are allowed. You can go in, as far Austin. as wearing tie dye. <laughs> That's where we draw the line. Well, no, you can you can move to Austin, pretend you're a commie, but live. Under much more of a free market system than where, where you may be yeah, coming that's, from. Those are the tie dye yes. people. Yes, yes. Uh, you can you can wear the tie dye. You can be a pretend commie here, right. in Texas. Yes, you can. You can tell your friends you're a socialist and a commie. E- exactly. And then you know you can also explain to them why there's so many homeless in your city. Hey, did you see that was a national story? Yeah. About yeah. 6th Street in Austin? Yeah, some investors want to come in and, and yeah. uh, you know, make it family-friendly. Okay, number one, I don't know that 6th Street is ever going to be family-friendly <laughs> based on the history. But if you want to say we would like to clean up the area and make it more amenable yeah. to people who come here and enjoy 6th Street, yeah. Okay. Well, part of it was the defunding the police and then backing off yeah, on it. right. And, you know, backing off on it and then just, you know, setting up that image that if you're a cop, you don't want to work there. And I saw mm-hmm. out of their last graduating class, it was 14 cops that was at way yeah, below right. the expectation of what they need. Right. You know, it's just uh, yesterday was a day. Uh, uh, first off, I, I was uh, a guest on a great podcast, mm. a friend of Red Eye um, uh, uh, Radio uh, yesterday. And um, I was... Uh, honored uh to be on a great podcast dale carter's america mm-hmm. and uh he's well known in kansas city right <laughs> i think i told you before it, uh, he is the uh public address announcer oh. of of uh, at arrowhead stadium okay all right and he does a great radio show music right. radio show been the you know the huge you know in kansas city for years mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in music radio but yeah. also does a got into uh doing a conservative podcast, and he's right. been listening to our show for years. I mean, yes, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so he was very complimentary of you. Just so mm-hmm. you, uh, 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 just so you know, but it was well, a, thank you. Dave. It was it was a great day because I got up and it was, and I'm not sure when the podcast with me is going to be on, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and yeah. you know, I talked about how, you know, he he said obviously, you know, Gary, you carry the show, and uh, I said, well, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, yeah, I we do. all know it's, that. It's, <laughs> yeah, and he said. He, Said, and you definitely have the smaller ego of the of the uh, of of the two. No, no. yeah, everybody. Yeah, no, knows we I'm, all know that as well. I'm, I'm kidding. No, it was. It's written right here in the paper that you gave me right before we started the show. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was, uh, it was uh, it, that that was just great. I mean, my mind got working very very early in the in yeah. the morning, right? And and then it was just you know everything. Uh, after that, I started observing, and my mind was just working, just going, and I'm like, wow, everything. There's so many stories out there about, you know, the uh, the story of San Francisco and how now blue, other blue cities are looking at what's going on in San Francisco and the fact that, 
you know, the, the homeless uh, uh, situation and the cost of living in these blue cities. Mm. And now the blue states and the blue cities are seriously looking at what they can afford to do. And then the story came out about the governor uh, in uh, of Illinois, Pritzker, who came out and said, well, we're going to have to drastically cut back on free health care for illegals mm-hmm. because we can't afford it anymore. And it was just one of those days, including having the conversations with Dale that we, we had on a number of topics, where it's just so obvious every day, something that we said a while back, that the left was winning because everything was an abstract concept. Mm-hmm. It was, if you do it our way, here's what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And the right would be saying, no, if you do it our way, here's what you're going to get. Well, liberalism won, and and more socialism and huge government spending and government in control of, of more through regulation uh, each and every day, and all of a sudden it hit the wall of reality across the board. And you see it, we saw it with, you know, healthcare in general, that California couldn't do it, Colorado couldn't do it, right. Vermont couldn't yeah. do it, right. because they had to pay for it. Right. Uh, and... And so, and Bernie was all for taxing the rich in Vermont until he became one of the rich in Vermont. Yeah, but but it was just one of those days where everything related back to the fact of all right, uh, reality bites. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that movie yesterday. I just went, wow, it's a really a re- it's a reality bites day for mm-hmm. for liberals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and and you still see on. Um, you know, on the things like the radical transgender movement, you still see that they're pushing so hard for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they're they're, they're just you know they're doubling down. I saw the uh, was it the Kentucky governor? Yeah. Saw, saw the headline where it's like, oh, these are just you know necessary medical procedures. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Shut up mm-hmm. for children. Look, we've said this. Let's make it simple because. We could just say it like the meme. If you're an adult, do the hell whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Don't make me pay for it and leave out the children. Mm-hmm. All right? I think most Americans would say, yeah, I could live with that. No, in recent marches, they have signs now, we're coming after your children. Right. And which has been the case, and they're still talking about it in California. We'll have a judge decide to take your children, custody of your children, the state will take if you don't get in line with our agenda. That's what they're still talking about in California. And we told you this a long time ago, that eventually it will be deemed child abuse if you don't walk the walk and talk the talk. That's where we are. And they're proud of it. And next summer on the stage in Chicago, it's going to be front, center, and prime time. I'm convinced. I hope I'm wrong because if I'm wrong, that means America did a lot more pushback than I expected between now and then. And we're seeing, we're definitely seeing that grow. People are being vocal about it. You're not touching my kids. Yeah. And I think. That's it's a very easy way to explain it. Yep. You know, it's it's very, very. I don't care what you do as an adult. I don't care. None of my business. But I mean, what I when I say I don't care, I really don't 
care. Whatever you're doing in your life never crosses my mind. It's not a concern. I've got cares of my own. Go do what you're going to do. Don't have the government decide that they're going to control my speech because of your agenda. That's where I draw the line. That's where you're infringing on my rights. And don't you dare reach out for my kids, my grandkids, or any of them in my family or my community. Don't do it. You're, go- you're not going to win this fight. We've said it from the beginning. And one of the encouraging things is, is that it's not just parents now that are pushing back. You know, we, we talked about this in Loudoun. We said, look, here's the way this is going to play down, uh, play out. This is the end of the school year, and then the summer's going to go by. It's going to be a little quiet. When we get into August, this thing's going to ramp up again, and it did. We said, this is the way it's going to go. And what they don't realize, and Disney didn't realize and still doesn't realize, is that they've drawn a line in the sand with the parents. They're going to war with the parents, not the right. And that's the difference. And now you're seeing members of the gay community come out. Gays against grooming. They they have a name for their group. Mm-hmm. They don't want any part of it. And I'm thankful that they came out and said something about it. And keep in mind, before we get right before we get to their convention next summer, we have another Pride Month leading right up to convention month. That's going to be interesting. I mean, all of this is playing out, and I really do hope I'm wrong about this because that will be an indication that America is pushing back, and they felt that they couldn't get away with having that on the prime time presentation of their convention. But as of right now, I believe it's going to be right up there, front and center. This is going to be their battle. The only thing I can think of is uh, is a, and will. Will the leadership of the Democratic Party say it's time for us to pretend like we used to, that we're moving towards the middle? Mm-hmm. Is is there going to be a recognition of that in the next year before the convention? Mm. That we yeah. can't survive. We have to lie bigger. Because yeah. I don't see any emphasis to truly change, except if you look, for example... Uh, you know, for you know, Pritzker in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Sorry, we can't afford to pay, Ill, you know, illegal immigrants their health care. Sorry, right. we can't do it. Right. We know, yeah, we're we're supposed to be sanctuary, but we can't afford to do it right. anymore. And that is, you know, the bill is coming due, and the people that have paid the bills, which are the rich, the majority of the rich that pays the majority of the bills, the small majority of the rich in all of those states in New York and Illinois, probably in most states they do. Yeah. But in those particular states, that's where they're moving from. And so the only way they can raise the revenue is to tax the people that vote for them. Yep. And so eventually it has to come to an end. And was talking about that. You know, we had a great conversation uh, with, uh, with Dale on that about the reality is now hitting and that's going to be the great, that's going to be the great changer over the next decade, which is really, if if there's a reason that I'm an optimist, it's yeah. because yeah. I know that the people, act, when reality hits, the people know what the right way is to go. Well, that's it. it it's, and this is not, you know, and this is why uh, Gays Against Grooming and others that have come out and said, whoa, 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 whoa. This was never meant to be 
about kids ever. Right. And yeah. when when you see that, that's what's encouraging because that goes beyond, you know, the parents that I say that they go to battle with. They're going to battle with anyone who has a reasonable mind. And that yeah. is what will change things. And I really do hope that's what we see by next summer. But as of right now, I don't see that titanic turning around in time. I think it's going to be definitely going to be on stage at some point during their convention. And we'll see if it gets primetime coverage. But, yes, that is definitely encouraging. 866-90-RED-EYE. Every driver knows the cost of replacing tires is a major expense. What if you could save on tire costs without sacrificing performance or safety? Consider retreads, a sustainable, cost-effective way to rack up your miles. Retreads have a reputation for causing that rubber debris or gaiters found on the sides of the highway. However, studies show that 68% of the tire debris collected on the highway comes from new tires, not retreads. The reality is that retreads will wear at the same rate as new tires if you don't properly maintain them. Retreads are still a major investment and require engaged maintenance practices. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed. Brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. Bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, all right, we're ready for another audio cut. All right, I'm ready. Uh, wait, is it okay? I thought it was Thursday. All right, it's, nah, all, it's it, only Wednesday. All right, it doesn't matter. It's it's all over the place Wednesday. All right. But <laughs> <laughs> I like about doing the show overnight. Yeah, you can just do whatever you want, and if you want it changed instantaneously, you can do it. Listen, nobody really cares. We can make it Thursday. 
prove us prove us wrong. That's it's Thursday. True. Tell us where we're wrong. <laughs> we we on today's show identify as Thursday. That's right. <laughs> All right. Here's a Biden spokesperson, Olivia Dalton, yesterday right. being asked this question. Does the White House believe Attorney General Garland committed uh, perjury when he testified under oath that Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss could bring charges outside his district? I don't have any comment on this. Anita? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. Uh, next. <laughs> He, they still haven't responded, have they? No, no, nope. nothing. Nope, nope. We'll we'll delve into that because that got that got interesting yesterday. Mm. Information from the second whistleblower, uh, the uh, New York Times. Uh, you know, finally starting to admit, okay, something's going on here. Right. We get to uh, yeah, yeah, to uh, that you can't ignore it. I was uh, watching. It was uh, I don't know if it was the. It might have been. Um, what's the one outnumbered? And I okay. wasn't I, I right. wasn't watching it live. Yeah. I was watching it. They had the clip on, on uh, on uh, on YouTube. Yeah, and uh, they were. Um, uh, oh, geez, I just got mind blank on it. Oh, they were. Oh, um, I don't know if it was the New York Times they were talking about. Oh, it just popped out of my mind. Mm. I'll, I'll figure out what it was. But uh, it was uh, when 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 I when I saw that yesterday, I went when with the spokesperson. I'm like, wow. They can't even admit it. Well, and they They can't, can't. you know, the story's not, as we said, it's not going to go away. The reason it's not going to go away is because there has been zero effort to actually discount the evidence itself. I mean, there have been some people. Oh, who who said, uh, who was it that was saying, oh, it's only hearsay. It's only hearsay. That was weeks ago. Um, but oh yeah, yeah. Oh, it's only hearsay. Oh. You mean witness? Yeah, you're not in court yet, right? That was yeah. That uh, applies in that court. was that was dumb. Yeah. Um, and it's it, it, but that's you know it. Th- there's these weak attempts. There's been no real effort. Raskin said that. Yeah, yeah. Raskin. And there's that. been no real effort, really, to discount the evidence, which means this is not going away. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Giving you 70% each night. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. All right, all over the place Wednesday, which we're identifying as Thursday. Yeah. Uh, but the <laughs> the other thing yesterday that was had me laughing is, is the media and response to Corrine Jean-Pierre uh, two days ago talking about how great the economy is and how people are realizing it. And the response yesterday are they delusional? I mean, what in yeah. the world? I mean, what economy are they looking at? Exactly. And and it actually got to when you had uh, the uh, the deputy, uh, the other deputy White House uh, press secretary, 
uh, out there yesterday, Olivia Dalton, uh, and she was asked she was asked this question. Uh, so the Federal Reserve says inflation is double what the Federal Reserve would like to see, and they believe the unemployment rate will go to 4.1 percent. So how is Bidenomics not an era of high inflation and rising unemployment rate? <laughs> let's let's hear the answer, okay? But I okay. I just the question made me. Well, I didn't even need to get to the answer because. I know what the answer is going to be. Right. Yeah. It's the blah 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 blah. But let's hear the blah blah blah. All right. Well, take a look at where we started and where we are now. That's the easiest answer to your question. When we came into office with the global economic headwinds of of COVID that were then compounded by the disruptions we faced when Russia invaded Ukraine and disrupted global food. Uh, supply chains, global fuel supply chains, sent inflation soaring around the world. Um, right now, the United States is in a better position on inflation than any other major economy. And why is that? It's because the president uh, took a number of swift and decisive actions to make sure that we got our economy on track, that we got ourselves open and chugging along again. Um, and today, as a consequence of that, we see record low unemployment, record new small business starts, uh, inflation that again is lower than any other major economy in the world, uh, and we're we're making progress. But we're seeing layoffs, specifically talking about uh, the auto industry. For example, Ford is saying they're laying off workers to afford the cost of the transition to EV. Uh, the first quarter of this year, Ford lost seven hundred million dollars on their EV program, lost six hundred million last year. So, is that what we can expect with Bidenomics? Well, I would just say looking. did you see i haven't seen her much out there but she took a gulp she was like like when she was in the middle of it it was like oh boy if she's going to be the eventual replacement for corinne jean pierre it's it's not going to be good when you but corinne jean pierre is just so horrible yeah uh that that uh then again you know you and i we had this discussion off the air yesterday Mm. Uh, about John Kirby. Yeah. About yeah. how we said, eh, this goes back about, well, I don't know, nine months ago, mm-hmm. maybe a year ago, we mm-hmm. said, John Kirby's got to replace her. And then yeah. Kirby gets yeah. in there and he just stares when you ask a tough question, mm-hmm. like he's, uh, you know, the deer in the headlights. And you're like, well, part of the problem is you have to defend the indefensible. Yeah. I mean, look, you've got to give answers that are. That, that that really, if you were to give a logical and, and honest answer, it's going to destroy uh, this presidency. There's there's no way around that. Well, what is Bidenomics? And and this is actually, and we talked about this yesterday. This is serious. I'm not being sarcastic. Serious. What? No joke. No no joke. <laughs> no joke here. No joke. Serious. I'm being serious. Being serious. All right. It's serious. Don't think I'm kidding here. No, come on. Serious. Come on. Don't look at me that way. Come on, Jack. (laughs) Uh, Bidenomics is government Mm -hmm. subsidizing businesses where there is no demand from the public to buy it. Uh, We see it because it's a perfect, the perfect example we can see is EVs. Yeah. The yeah. public doesn't want it. It's extremely expensive. Right. If the public wanted it, the public still can't afford it. Right. Massive taxpayer subsidies goes into it. Uh, because they're, they are doing this, 
the other product that's needed is electricity. Mm-hmm. On electricity, they're doing everything they can to cripple the United States to produce electricity as they want to drastically increase the consumption of electricity. Mm-hmm. And so what they wish to do in electricity is the same thing they want to do to EVs. And you look at it, uh, how much of the economy is affected by car production and uh, also, uh, uh, you know, electricity, energy. Right. So they don't want the United States to produce oil and natural gas. They wish us to produce electricity in the most inefficient way possible that has to be subsidized. And then they need another backup mm. in or, because the energy sources they wish to use are inconsistent and not reliable. I mean, I was, you know, I was thinking yesterday, I was driving around and the wind is blowing. Mm. And the wind's blowing like about 15, 17 miles an hour. And it's a, you know, it's hot out, but it doesn't feel that bad because the wind's blowing. Right. I'm thinking to myself, the only reason we're not in, you know, a drastic situation in the state of Texas today is because the wind happens to be blowing. But if the wind isn't blowing, you would have seen it over the last couple of days. Mm -hmm. Warning, warning, warning. Grid problems, grid problems, grid problems. Because it's too much of a reliance on on wind power. Yeah. And solar. Yep. And so when you you see, when when I came in here tonight, I looked at the temperature outside. It was 91 degrees. Yeah, uh, my truck read 92 on the way in. <laughs> it was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it'll drop. It'll get down to probably 80, 81, you know, by the time we get to the uh, morning. But I also saw in Drudge Report, Texas, hotter than 99.9% of the world. This isn't abnormal, having these temperatures. No. We've had these before. This isn't, you know, the the headlines out there. But that's, that's another topic. Uh, but the, the binomics is is having the government central plan the economy. They wish to central plan energy production in the United States. Mm -hmm. They wish to destroy the production of oil and natural gas that doesn't need subsidies. Mm -hmm. And they wish to produce electricity from inconsistent and inefficient uh, means then forcing the states, as we've seen in the state of Texas, to come out and say, well, we need to build 10 natural gas plants to back up this inconsistent form of energy that the government is piling taxpayer dollars into that will increase the cost of electricity. It'll increase the cost of of uh, of automobiles, mm-hmm. as we have seen, mm-hmm. to the point where people can't afford it. That's Bidenomics. Yep. And I'm not being sarcastic, Jack. That's Serious. actually what Bidenomics is. Serious. No joke. Bidenomics is having Biden decide how the economy is going to run. Yep. Yep. Does anybody think that's actually a good thing? That Biden should decide how the economy runs? Because that's what Bidenomics is. It's a good thing that uh, we have inflation because it means people are spending more money. <laughs> remember that? Remember they when said he, that at one point. Remember when they he said, s- I just learned how expensive hamburger is. 
A pound of hamburger. Wow. Yeah. Way to sound disconnected. But that was really interesting because the discussion was, what is Bidenomics? And you think about it in Washington, D.C., the reporters feel it, too. Oh, yeah. You know, all those reporters, you know, there are maybe some of the network reporters that may be making millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. Bankers, but they're not working the White House. I mean, they may every once in a while, but they're not, you know, they're not part of that. Well, and, and, well, you may have some of the pool of reporters that work for the major news networks mm-hmm. that are doing okay, mm-hmm. but they're not making $10 million a year. No, no. You've got a lot of those reporters in there. Remember, a lot of those reporters work for uh, Internet publications. Mm-hmm. So if you're making, let's say you're making $200,000, which people would view as a pretty good salary, right? But you're making it in Washington, D.C. Remember, members of Congress, when they... What is the, if they come into Congress for the first time, Mm -hmm. $170,000, $180,000, they're looking to live with other people. They're looking for roommates. Sleeping in their office. Yeah. Yeah. And and so that shows you how expensive it is in D.C. And how they, they recognize, those reporters recognize inflation and it's not good. And you can say all you want, but the public isn't convinced on it based on the the on on the polling so uh it was an interesting day yesterday because people were just dying about Corrine Jean-Pierre the day before you know yeah so yeah. optimistic and right. saying oh the and and saying the people of the United States recognize they see it coming they see this great economy coming they do i'm sorry who's saying that yeah. what great economy I, it, it's just paint this picture that isn't there People just can't see how great the economy is. They're, and they're too busy paying attention to their bank accounts. <laughs> That's the problem, Gary, is quit paying attention to what you're paying for and pay attention to what we're saying. It's a great economy. Don't, don't look at the receipt. Listen to us. It's a good economy. You just don't know it. The receipt doesn't tell the whole story. <laughs> that's the insanity. And, and that's why we had stated from the very beginning when, when this all started, we said they better watch out because they view, because we haven't had inflation for such a long time, they view a good economy as if people have jobs. Yeah, right. What they forget about is a person's individual economy is based on what you have left over mm-hmm. once you pay all of your bills. Mm-hmm. That's how we judge it. When you've seen the number of people that have gotten a second job. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and what really bothers people, as we said, if you have 10% unemployment, 90% of people are still working, and odds are you don't have inflation. With inflation, you can have you can have uh, 9% of the people working But if one job isn't enough and doesn't cover it and they need a job and a half and they still can't keep up on it, their economy sucks. Yep. And we had warned the Democrats about this when the Obama economists were saying, don't do this $1.9 trillion COVID bill. It's going to send inflation through the roof. And so they're living by the standards of what was a what people viewed as a good economy 
five years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that doesn't hold what? Inflation changes everything. Yep. And they don't seem to care because we know if the Republicans didn't have the House, they'd be spending through the roof even more. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They wouldn't stop. Yeah, because the public doesn't care. They're yeah. not getting that. They're not feeling that pressure. They're feeling the pressure when they have power. They're feeling that pressure after they didn't perform like they thought they were going to in the House at the midterm. They start feeling the pressure. But if they have all the power, they hit the brakes on it. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Hurley. We have, coming up following the top of the hour, the best Pride Month story ever. <laughs> you are not going to want to miss it. It is the best Pride Month story ever. Yep. So. <laughs> uh, Love it. All right. The, the on last word. Okay. Nothing is ever a last word on the show. Uh, <laughs> another word. On Bidenomics, the best headline was in Breitbart. <laughs> From the Breitbart Business Digest, Bidenomics, keep talking about infrastructure without actually building anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yet he's spending the money. Huh? Mm. How does that work? <laughs> Magic. <laughs> We are so doomed. Which just shows you we need more money for infrastructure. Exactly. If we've got this big infrastructure bill and we're not building anything, that's the evidence that we need more money because we don't have enough money to build the infrastructure so that Breitbart notices it. Exactly. (laughs) We need people to be crying. Conservatives (laughs) need to be crying. That's when we know we're spending enough money. Give me my infrastructure. Yes. (laughs) Oh, you my know, gosh. The best thing is uh, our our friend in uh, Oregon, Lars Larson, I'll never forget when he was in town mm-hmm. one time, and he, he emails me. He said, my God, Texans know how to do it. You're building roads all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we don't ever stop. No, it doesn't ever we stop. We don't it ever stop. <laughs> we don't ever stop. Buddy of mine I've known since grade school, uh, he's a he's, – uh, in charge of construction crews, and they're doing road construction right now. And he said, I I probably w- won't be able to retire because we're just always working. I said, tell me about it. Oh, my gosh. I'm just on the way to work. It's only a couple of miles. It's like four construction zones. <laughs> Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This 
is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. Good morning. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Can you believe we're almost to Fourth of July week? Yeah, that's uh, Independence great. Day. That is crazy. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, this year is just uh, is is flying by. Uh, all right, you ready? I'm ready. This is the best Pride Month story I have read yet. Yeah. yeah all right. Democrat members of the California State Senate walked out of the chamber after Republicans honored former Trump administration acting director of national intent, uh, intelligence Richard Grinnell. Grinnell who is gay, was honored by the Chamber Republicans amid LGBT Pride Month. But that did not sit well with some Golden State Senate Democrats. Several of the California Upper uh, Chamber Democrats who control the Senate majority walked off the Senate floor after Grinnell was recognized as, quote, the first openly gay presidential cabinet member, end of quote. Several of the California Democrats. <laughs> uh, were upset. I like the one who said, this is a gay man who hates himself. Mm. Oh, so you're judging. Really? <laughs> because he because he holds really? more... He holds more conservative values, as yeah. as we know on many on many different topics. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> uh, California Senate Republicans, however, were more receptive to the nation's former ambassador to Germany, with support from the minority leader as well as the state assembly, uh, uh, as well as some state assembly members. Uh, the uh, minority leader told Fox News Digital that when Democrats walked off the Senate floor to protest. Uh, in protest of Ambassador Rick Grinnell, it highlighted their intolerance towards anyone who is gay and and lesbian but doesn't agree with their far-left ideology. Those Democrats that walked off by the Democrat standard are homophobic. How dare they? The fact that they would not even acknowledge the first openly gay presidential cabinet member in the United in United States history. By the way, yeah. this is what you call <laughs> sophisticated political trolling <laughs> from the Republicans. <laughs> yep. The fact that they would well, not they write the playbook. I know. The, the fact that they would not even acknowledge the first openly gay presidential cabinet member in the United States history proves they really only care about advancing an anti-American pro-Marxist agenda. They don't give a damn about gay people. All they want to do is promote control over society. <laughs> this yeah. here it is this is the democrat state senator scott weiner mm. uh this is their way of celebrating pride by bringing in a guy who is truly a self-hating gay man 
who takes tons of anti-LGBTQ positions, Weiner said on Monday. There are plenty of gay Republicans who don't do the unhinged things that Grinnell does. Unhinged. I'm trying to see uh, what it is. You're uh, looking for specifics? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Keep am, I, am I wasting everybody's time? Keep, keep looking. I'm looking for the specific things. We, we that, only have five or four more hours. So, okay. Yeah. 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 But you. go ahead. Keep looking. How stupid of me. Look, <laughs> hey, you're on vacation next week. You could look all week next week. <laughs> keep looking. That's what I'll spend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here it is. Huh? Weiner also attacked the former Trump administration official with claims that he is a, and I really don't know what this means, scam artist, pink washer. <laughs> well, In they're a, not calling him a communist because from their perspective, yeah. That would be a compliment. Grinnell responded, it's an honor to be your enemy. You are a radical voice against common sense, decency, and parental rights. Because Grinnell has come out against, of course, against the, the grooming. Yeah. So now you are a radical if you are promoting the fact that children should not decide... To cut off their private parts. Yeah. Yeah. He's unhinged. Unhinged. And what they mean is he's unhinged from our agenda. He won't attach himself to our agenda. Self-hating. We're walking out. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry, I like that story. That was a <laughs> bunch of crybabies. We're I, leaving. I wish I could have been there. Oh, my All gosh, right. yeah. Now, one thing I did hate about yesterday is when the Supreme Court ruling came down on uh, the elections in North Carolina, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, Moore versus Harper. Right. And, and, and uh, this is where they were looking at uh, basically does the – do, do state courts, do state legislatures have the absolute final say or, you know, when it comes to election laws? And this was would have been for uh, gerrymandering, but could be applied to anything that had happened during COVID. Sure. And yeah, yeah. and so it was, do do state legislatures have the final call? And yeah. does or the, do the courts. Yeah. Or, or, right. or does the state court. Right. Or does state the state court, court yeah. have the, the final call? Mm-hmm. Well, it was pretty muddled. Uh, one thing, and it was funny because I went to SCOTUS blog and, Amy Howe, who does a great job, I still went over that. And then I started reading the actual decision. And what I hate is when I look at a Supreme Court decision and my mind an hour later feels Mm -hmm. like I'm doing a calculus problem that I still don't understand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what I got out of it was, I don't know, except what I think they did is just kick the bucket down the road. What they said is, well, yeah, the state legislature is the one that makes the law, but there are times when the state courts can get involved in it. Yeah. But we can't give you any type of specifics as to 
when they go too far or when they don't. But the federal courts have the ultimate say, which was interesting because they said, how does this apply to 2020? We don't know, but it does the Supreme Court ruling. Even the liberal justices who joined the majority. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It it means that, this was really interesting, that Biden versus Gore, except Biden versus Gore, <laughs> Bush versus <laughs> Biden versus Gore. <laughs> That'd be an interesting debate. Anybody understand what's going on here? No, Dangling uh, Hunter. Uh, uh, <laughs> That the the uh, the uh, liberal justices uh-huh. who joined the majority on on that yeah. were basically saying that the right decision was made in two thousand. Yeah, right. When the federal courts got involved in it and right. said, "No, what you're doing is 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 unconstitutional." Now, look, I I understand how tricky it is because when you talk about you know state election laws, by the way, these are state election laws for a federal election. To be clear on it. Right. So that's why that's and and so it was like, okay, you know, what does and it was interesting to see the headlines because the headlines, I would look at a conservative publication. Some would say, well, it, uh, it's confusing. Some said, well, well, it uh, looks like that we won't have a repeat of 2020 because of this. Others said, well, no, it's a disappointment as to what they did, but uh, it does prove that uh, a Bush versus Gore went should have gone Bush's way, even by the liberal justices joining the majority on that. And I went, right. okay, yeah. that's really interesting. But yeah, it's what you're going to have in the future is you're still going to have more lawsuits. I it, has, it, it it just seemed like a narrower ruling than than what people were making it out. Some people were interpreting the ruling to be. Yes. In other words, that they would have to revisit everything case by case. I, I, in this case, did the North Carolina Supreme Court go too far? And they found that, no, they did not. Um, but could the, because you want to give the legislators of a state, uh, they do have the power to control their elections. Mm-hmm. Can they step outside of that power and do something uh, that is uh, not reasonable or violates the Constitution, um, and if so, can the 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 state supreme court come in? The state courts come in and say, "No, you can't do that." Yes, and then that's what they found to be. Yes, they that, they that can't be... do that. But I, I don't under limited circumstances, and that's why I say right. a narrow ruling because they're still going to have to visit everything case by case. Right now, this specific case was on uh, again the gerrymandering. Right. Yeah. And so how would that apply to 2020? Uh, I don't know. It did seem that you had some uh, more conservative analysts say it might limit the state court's ruling to uh, endorse what an executive branch may do. Right. Or the ruling that might happen. But it also says, the interesting thing is, it also says the federal courts have the final determination. But isn't it interesting that when you look at the last election, the Supreme Court basically said, no, states, you handle it. 
Right. And, and you know, because uh, Justice Thomas uh, and Alito and Gorsuch, I think, were on his opinion, the dissenting opinion, basically wasn't saying that um, the state legislators had that right. He basically, in his opinion, was saying it's a moot point. It's no longer a, a live controversy, as, as Amy Howe wrote. Right. You know, in... Right. In, in this case. So because now because now the state Supreme Court has a dominant Republican advantage. Right. That's yeah, why it's right. not an issue anymore. Right. Right. And so because because of it was filed by Republicans. Right. So right, it's not right, a live issue. Right? right. And so you look at it and say, all right, um, what does that mean? What kind of precedent? And and maybe someone will do a a, a better breakdown of it here in, in the coming days. Uh, and and bring something to the surface that that I'm not looking at, but it doesn't appear to be as wide of a ruling no. as a lot of people were making it out to be when it when it broke out yesterday. I I could be wrong, and and we'll see what the experts well break down. It's it interesting that when you know some of the rulings come down, you're like, okay, I understand this completely. In the, the, yeah. the and it's like when it comes to and I still don't know for all of the legal rulings on gerrymandering. Yeah. I still cannot tell you this is I, and I and I guess sometimes this these things can happen. I still can't tell you exactly what the constitutional rule is originated from the founding fathers for congressional districts. Right. It, the right, the yeah. precedent has, you know, it's gone on for so long. I don't know. I actually don't know. There are things I can tell you that I know. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, Second Amendment, no problem. But when they start trying to figure out these court rulings on gerrymandering, I have no idea. Well, I, and, I, I really, and, I really don't. I, and, that's and, and and I guess that's why I, I see the point made by uh, the three uh, the, the 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 dissenting uh, in this case led by by Thomas is that it is a it is a moot point because part right. of me wants to argue. Well, wait a minute, it's not. If you need to, you know find or the court needs to determine you know who has that ultimate power but there is no ultimate power assigned by this decision as a precedent uh or by any law that lawmakers tried to create in that state in other words it's still going to be a case-by-case basis when it comes down did they make the right move mm-hmm. here um uh, did the supreme court you know uh make the right decision in this case i i just don't see it as and, and again maybe somebody can point it out as a broad decision in that way and in, in, in deciding ultimately who has that that power because they're right. If if legislators came up with a law in any state uh, and it was just, you know, just over the top, you know, uh, you only have one hour in the morning on election day to vote or, you know, something stupid. And I'm just making making the point. Then obviously the court would have to step in and say, all right, that's not reasonable. Uh, you're violating the rights, and 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 the voter would be definitely disenfranchised. Well, okay, let's 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 use this five minutes to vote on election day. The legislature yeah. comes in hypothetically. Yeah, we, right. Exactly. You know, sometimes you need to make these exaggerated arguments. Exactly. So the legislature comes comes in and says, in this for federal election now. Remember, right. this yeah, is for right. federal elections. Right. So uh, for president of the United States in Pennsylvania, you only have or North Carolina because this was a state. You only have five minutes. Right. To vote. Yeah. And the state courts come in, comes in and says, yep. That's right. You know, we agree with that. Mm-hmm. Well, what they're saying is the legislature can do that. 
the Supreme or the state Supreme Court can do that. But the federal government can come in, or excuse me, the federal courts can come in and say, no, that's no good. Right. You need to you need to redo that. There needs to be reasonable voting hours. Uh, you know, that that actually would be uh, election interference. That's right. interfering with an right. election where people actually limiting, can't vote. Limiting right. that, you know, to such a, a, a small window, you're right. you're limiting the ability of the voter to to take action. Eight six six ninety red eye Most owner-operators leased to larger carriers are paid on a per-mile basis or a percentage of revenue per load. The per-mile basis is most prevalent among larger fleets. Percentage at smaller. Pay per mile tends to dominate discussions about pay just because it's easier to measure. And pay per mile often is wrongly used as the deciding factor in leasing to a carrier. While pay per mile can be a vital factor, it's not a cure for every ill. Nor does it mean a big settlement check is coming an owner-operator's way. Why? Because pay per mile always must be considered in balance with gross revenue as well as total costs. Gross revenue can include flat mileage pay, mileage pay that varies by length of haul, percentage revenue pay, and more. Most importantly, though, for every revenue dollar generated, only part of that dollar is profit. But for every extra dollar of cost saved, the entire dollar contributes to profit. Knowing and understanding your cost to operate is fundamental to understanding the true value of any pay package. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology. For more information, go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Overdrive's Partners in Business section of the website for more detail on Business 101 and many other topics. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up, we'll take a look at the latest on the Hunter Biden investigation and uh, the latest from the audio from uh, from CNN mm. about uh, 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 Trump and that Iran document. He came out yesterday and said, no, he was still holding up a bunch of papers. What I thought was interesting was the Fox News report showing stating that sources from inside the investigation say they're not going after him for that. Right. They're not right. they're not. It's part of the investigation is not to charge him with showing that that their effort is that's that's part of the obstruction of justice, Mm -hmm. which is this gives you the mindset of the president. It's not about going after him for holding that Iran document, because then you'd have to prove what the Iran that that was the Iran document he was holding. You Mm -hmm. made a great point. We were discussing this off the air. I'm going to discuss more about it. Well, then where's the espionage charge? Right. Where does that go? Where does that go? You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. So 
you had a uh, uh, new yesterday, mm. um, uh, a new, uh, I guess, uh, fill-in for Corrine Jean-Pierre. Uh, Olivia, I forgot her name now. Is it Halton? I think it is uh, yesterday. Dalton. Dalton, yeah. Uh, who was there yesterday. And, and of course, I've I've never seen her before. She's new to me. Maybe she's about, she's a deputy White House press secretary. Maybe she's done a few, but this is the first time that uh, I've ever seen her. But uh, they, you know, <laughs> she got the questions. Here's part of it. What message is the president trying to send um, to the American people when he invites his son to the state dinner and Camp David, as we saw this past weekend, amid everything he's going through? Every president of the United States has invited their family to state dinner. This president also has a family. Uh, he is no different. And um, beyond that, I'm just not going to engage on this. The former White House Press Secretary, Jen Psaki, um, acknowledged that optically that might not have been easier for the White House. Um, can you elaborate on, on that at all, the decision to, to invite the president's son amid everything that he's going through and what challenges that poses uh, for, for this White House to explain? Like every other administration, like every other president, this president has a family, uh, and he did exactly what m- many prior administrations have done. And beyond that, I really don't have any comment on this. About the lunch, uh, President Obama reportedly told President Biden ahead of 2020, quote, you don't have to do this, Joe, you really don't. Uh, can you say if a similar message was shared today? I can't, and I don't know what you're referring to. Uh, regarding whether he should continue to serve in public life. I, I, I don't know what you're referring to, and I don't have any comment on it. And the follow-ups on last week. Um, does the White House believe Attorney General Garland committed uh, perjury when he testified under oath that Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss could bring charges outside of his district? I don't have any comment on this. Anita? So what they have found is somebody with a softer voice. Yeah. We're right. going to have a soft, meek voice. Like, I don't know what's mm-hmm. really going on. I yeah, don't know. I don't, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What's with all the questions, guys? <laughs> I, I just I detect some aggression. Well, the New York Times is from Fox. The uh, New York Times confirmed one of the bombshell claims made about the Department of Justice's mishandling of its probe mm. into Hunter Biden, but it buried it deep in its Tuesday report after Biden pleaded guilty to two misdemeanor tax violations and entered uh, a pretrial diversion agreement regarding the felony gun Registration charge. The House and Ways Committee released testimony from the two IRS whistleblowers. We know that. However, the Times is now confirming that uh, Weiss did, in fact, make such claims uh, about the uh, Department of Justice that he uh, was, uh, you know, uh, the they they write here. But in mid 2022, Mr. Weiss reached out to the top federal prosecutor in Washington, Matthew Graves, to ask his office to pursue charges and was rebuffed. According to Mr. Shapley's uh, testimony, the Times wrote Tuesday, a similar request to prosecutors in the Central District of California, which includes Los Angeles, was also rejected. Mr. Shapley testified a second former IRS official who has not been identified told House Republicans the exact same story. That episode was confirmed independently to The New York Times to a, by a person with knowledge of that uh, uh, you know, situation now. Notably, the confirmation wasn't mentioned until the 21st paragraph of the Times' lengthy report uh, titled Competing Accounts. <laughs> uh, competing uh, Compounds, Justice Department's 
of just the Justice Department's handling of the Hunter Biden case. The Times did not immediately respond to Fox News' request for comment as to, oh, you finally printed something. Mm. <laughs> but you can't ignore this. And, oh, that's what I saw on, uh, I, I was thinking about this yesterday. I, I had mind blank in the first hour when I saw Outnumbered, and they were talking about the fact that the networks are carrying it. Yeah. The networks yeah. are carrying it. And right. now, you know, the networks are talking about, you know, the allegation about, you know, Joe Biden, how this leads to Joe. You cannot not cover this ever. You eventually have to cover it. Yeah, and I mean, so, you're going to have to get around to it. And I guess they were waiting for some kind of move. I don't know if they thought it was going to come from uh, the administration or or what. But I'm guessing a lot of the uh, liberal activists in the newsrooms were waiting for something that they could do to, you know, uh, defend Biden in this but ultimately you can't because in order to do that you have to go in and tear down all the evidence that continues to pile up so you have to cover it are they going to cover it in depth probably not until it reaches the surface on evidence i think and then you know that's going to be one of those days where everybody just walks away from biden Oh, my gosh, we didn't know how bad this guy was. Uh, And there was a lot of the second whistleblower, Mm. the IRS whistleblower yesterday, a lot of discussion on it as more information came out that according to the second whistleblower, the lead IRS case agent for the Hunter Biden investigation, whose name is redacted, he wishes to, the person, I won't say a he, the person wishes to remain anonymous. Uh, Hunter Biden set up a scheme involving a Ukrainian natural gas company. He sat on the board of and a Chinese business associate to willfully evade paying taxes. Now, what's interesting is separate whistleblowers from the FBI and their source that got the the uh, that that document that talked about the FBI looking at the bribe there. Now, that's the FBI whistleblower and the source to the fbi whistleblower that was the one remember that jamie raskin said well that's hearsay right yep as if somebody a source telling you hey i was involved in the i was basically i was there when it happened and here's what's here's what's going on and you tell that to a law enforcement official that that's hearsay he quickly dropped that because hearsay number one is in a court of law it's got nothing to do with an investigation, how you look at an investigation and find out information. So he sort of dropped it. Back Raskin, you haven't heard, I haven't heard anything from him lately. No. Have we? No. He said that he got, what did he say that he got pounded on? When he said what he saw there, the hearsay was one of it, there was something else. He got pounded, then he sort of disappeared. Uh, but according to the second whistleblower, um, he was in Hunter Biden set up a scheme involving a Ukrainian natural gas company. He sat on the board of and a Chinese business associate to willfully evade paying taxes. A whistleblower said Hunter Biden had already owed hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes long before his father became vice president. He wasn't paying his taxes back then in 2014 when uh, uh, Joe Biden was in his second term as vice president in charge of Ukraine policy. And when the Ukrainian natural gas company Burisma put Hunter on the board of directors, Burisma paid Biden 
$666,667 to do little or no work. According to the whistleblower, this is the second whistleblower now, this is information that came out yesterday, Hunter Biden received the money from Burisma, and instead of reporting it as income and paying taxes on it, he put that money into a Chinese firm run by one of Hunter Biden's associates who then loaned the money back to Hunter Biden. Now, we know this allegation has been out there. The second whistleblower is now stating it. The whistleblower testified. So Hunter Biden sets this out, uh, sends this out in an email, and what ends up happening So imagine this, if you are an owner of a company and your friend tells you that, I I want to pay my wages to your company and then you're going to loan the money back to me, that's essentially what happened here. He took loans from that corporation, which was distributions, and he didn't pay any taxes on those. That's technically money laundering, isn't it, to avoid paying taxes? It's fraud. Because the one thing when they talked about the loan, in order to be a loan, and they said IRS people look at this all the way, you need, number one, to have a contract for the loan. You need to have a set of payments for the loan, and you need to be paying interest on the loan. If those three things don't exist, those are things that set off IRS agents immediately to look at and go, something's fishy here. Yeah, I mean, if you if you put – if you take these the, the money in the – the idea is to avoid taxes by setting it up as a loan. That would have to qualify yep. as as money laundering. So essentially, for twenty four, for so essentially for twenty fourteen, this is from the his testimony. We found that Hunter didn't report any of the money he earned from Barisma. Hmm. So the reason why this is important is because Hunter set it up this way to not to essentially earn money through his friend's corporation and then have his friend pay him back half of the money as loans, quote-unquote loans. The whistleblower continued, none of it was taxed, so none of this has been paid or prosecuted. And I would also like to note that the statute has run out on uh, these tax years uh, or on the 2014 tax year. The whistleblower said the Justice Department believed Biden's defense that the money was a loan. Hmm. You can't loan money yourself. You can't loan yourself your own money. It just doesn't make any sense. When asked if the transaction seemed to be a sham, the whistleblower answered, oh, yes, I would agree that the transaction would. You would want to uh, sham the transactions. Yes. So there you go. Um, as the Washington Examiner's Byron York noted, Biden's income in 2014 was not part of the misdemeanor charges against him, and the statutes of limitations were allowed to uh, expire. The whistleblower also noted that Hunter Biden's friend, a wealthy Hollywood celebrity lawyer named Kevin Morse, had paid off the $2.2 million that Hunter Biden owed the IRS for years 2014 through uh, uh, 2019. Mm. But that's just part of it. One of the allegations is he hasn't paid, still today, hasn't paid all of his taxes. The IRS is letting him skate on it, that he has not paid all the taxes that he is owed. Hmm. That came out last week. Right. So that's where we are then. Uh, by the way, the, uh, the whistleblower's uh, uh, legal team, and this would be 
Shapley's legal team released a letter over the weekend revealing the names of all six witnesses who allegedly also heard U.S. Attorney for uh, Delaware David Weiss say he did not have authority to charge in other districts and had requested special counsel status. As we have said here, there's one of three things going on. Either Merrick Garland is lying, Weiss is lying, and you would have to ask the question why. It was pointed out that, yes, he was appointed by Trump, but he was already in that position from the Obama administration. Trump just allowed that to continue. Trump actually didn't appoint him. He was there already, and Trump just said stay, and it said so. He's This isn't a Trump-friendly guy. Right, know, Weiss. Right, right. Uh, and, and that was, I forgot who pointed that out the other day. Maybe it was National Review. I'm not sure. Could have been the Federalist uh, that I, I'd read that the other day, that he's not a Trump, this guy is not a Trump guy, which the Democrats have been using as a defense. Trump appointed him. No, Trump allowed him to stay. Um, but he was already in there. Temporarily, he was put in there, and then Trump allowed him to, uh, to stay at that point. Uh, but you either have Garland is lying, Weiss's line, because Weiss did send a letter to Congress last year mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and stated, no, I have full authority. Well, was that taken away from him after he wrote that letter? Is that what is that what happened? Because uh, I believe that was June of last year or July. It was October where he had this meeting and told them, I don't have authority. So either Weiss is lying, and you have to ask the question why he would be lying, uh, Garland is lying, or all the whistleblowers that have been under oath under the threat of the penalty of perjury, mm. because you can't lie in these cases, are under oath, mm-hmm. uh, and every everybody else who has made a statement is not under oath. Right. Everybody who was taking the opposite opinion right. has not been under oath. Right. Everybody who has taken the opinion that, you know, Weiss could not do his job, and what happened here was just reprehensible when it comes to prosecution uh, of somebody for tax crimes. Uh, and again, it's interesting because they still think, "Oh, he's a drug addict. He's a drug addict. Yeah, he's right. A drug addict. Yeah, th- no, that's going to be their defense. And then all these sophisticated all ways of hiding money. Yep. Eight six six ninety red eye. Lines open for your calls. Eight six six ninety red eye on Red Eye Radio. Check out. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up on the top of uh, the hour, the whistleblower who we know from the IRS, uh, Gary Shapley, actually uh, was on uh, did an interview with CBS. And it was broadcast mm. last night. Mm-hmm. And they even bring into it his father. And this was on the CBS Evening News. Yeah. So we'll get uh, to that coming up. Mm. Plus, the situation with uh, Trump and the investigation into classified information and his latest response. And also another story out there about the Iran war document. Right. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. 
now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. Good morning. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. All right. When will when will MSNBC uh, come out and do a segment on how we shouldn't be selling Independence Day? We shouldn't be celebrating this country. Mm-hmm. Remember, uh, I forgot who did it about ten years ago. Somebody did that. We were in the old studios. Well, uh, the last year or two. F the fourth. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's already happened. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Didn't go very far because people were like, I'm sorry, what? Are you saying we shouldn't have the day off? <laughs> you know, I'm I'm flying on the fourth in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I was really thinking, okay, what flag shirt should I wear? And I'm thinking to myself, if somebody complains that I'm wearing a flag shirt on Independence Day, can I be kicked off a plane for triggering someone? Can the airlines force me to change my flag shirt? Yeah. Yes. Turn turn it inside out. I mean, the flag shirt I'm thinking of wearing, I mean, the whole, well, it's, it doesn't have like an emblem of a flag. The whole thing is uh, red, white, and blue. The entire shirt is. I mean, it is, it's in your face. It's Independence Day, and I'm an American. So you're saying it's gaudy. <clears throat> oh, yeah. <laughs> Proudly gaudy. Yeah. And so I'm like, I think I'm, well, I'm thinking I'm going to wear that just to see the reaction. So mm-hmm. Like somebody sits next to me, I'm offended by that. Well, sorry, my face is my face. Oh, you mean my flag shirt? Mm-hmm. Well, it so. can come from um, either or both directions. You're not supposed to wear a flag on a shirt. Well, it actually isn't a flag, right? Yeah. But you're not supposed to. That's not. That's not the meaning of the flag. We've heard that before. Don't put it on paper plates. Yeah. Okay. When I'm done eating, I'll throw it away. You can't throw the flag away. It's well, not. It's not. It's not a. Flag. It's a paper plate. Yeah. But it's a flag. I'm not sure how you fly your flags. I don't fly any paper plates at my house. <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> I got to set up. I got to put the filters on my spotlight. Mm-hmm. Uh, red, and then I have red and blue, and then I keep some of the you know natural white there. But it's red, white, and blue. Then I have my electric flag. It's really a cool electric flag. It looks like it's blowing in the wind. I put it in the window, and so far the homeowners association hasn't told me to take it down because I only do it on. Well, make sure you don't talk about it on the radio or anything. Ahead like, of time, like they're listening. <laughs> no, I've been I've I've had that thing for like five years. It's really cool. 
Mm-hmm. It's bright. It's bright. It lights up the yeah, yeah. Lights up the entire driveway, but it's uh, I and it says right on USA. You know the thing is, was it made in China? <laughs> no. Are you sure? <laughs> Come on, Russia. Uh, the- <laughs> <laughs> Wrong communist. Made in Cuba. That's made in Cuba. Come on, Jack. Uh, they make the best electric flags. Yeah. And if you're working for that electric flag company in Cuba and you get sick, they have the best health care. Oh, far better than American health care. Uh-huh. But do you do you get the do you get the impression? Just me talking about the the flag shirt and making sure the house is decorated for. Now, I will say this. Some of the subdivisions are really de- – they the lights are on now. I, I'm like, what is this, Christmas? Oh, no, Independence Day a week from now. When I started – when I came into work, there's probably mm, three or four subdivisions that, as you enter them, completely lit up in red, white, and blue lights mm-hmm. and – Mm-hmm. And electric flags and everything, and I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. well, this is Texas. <laughs> but, yeah, my entire uh, city has them. I mean, they put them all over the city, yeah. and yeah. So uh, the flags, not the lights, but yeah. And and so, uh, but do you get the feeling that part of me is doing this? I mean, I'm doing it because I'm an American, and I would do it anyway because mm-hmm. I've always celebrated Independence Day. I love the I love the Constitution. You know, I. Love the fact that I live in the United States. I don't want to live anywhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, when that study is done, would you move to another country? No. No. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm staying here. <laughs> and I'm going to fight for what I believe in. And that's why I do what I do. That's why you do what you do. Mm-hmm. It's what we believe. And so, no, I'm not going anywhere else. I may visit. I You know, I may uh, visit Canada to play golf. Mm. <laughs> But I'm not staying there. And I may visit Portland to play golf, but not to, Oh, wait a minute. They are part of the United States. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, um, but you get the impression that part of me, because I think it would be true if you were under this impression, that I first reason I do it is because I wish to celebrate Independence Day. The second reason is if I bother somebody by it and trigger them, that would be like the special bonus. That would be the whipped cream and the cherry on top of the great milkshake. Well, you'd have to live outside of Texas for that to happen. <laughs> Bothering people with flags isn't kind of our thing. Yeah. You'd well, have to maybe well, go to Austin, maybe. <laughs> well, it's just you never know. You get on a plane. Mm-hmm. Somebody says, hey, you know, I don't I don't like the fact that he's the American flag is offensive. Well, given that. Every other middle-aged male on that plane is probably going to be wearing a flag shirt. <laughs> I'm guessing it's not going to be a thing. I I probably will be safe, and you know why? Uh, I probably will be okay on the plane because a long time ago I did the mask survey. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to see where... The fewest people wore masks anywhere in society. When I started flying again, it was on airplanes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I right. use the mask rule, I'm going to be okay. 
Yeah, you'll be fine. Just remember, for those that may not know, if someone's wearing an old Navy shirt, you don't say thank you for your service. You, <laughs> it's that's not what that means. Because there could be people that don't remember Old Navy. Okay, for those under eighty, a mall was this one huge building where you could go from store to store and not have to go outside. And they had a place called Old Navy, <laughs> not military. You don't have to say thank you for your service. That's it could be that that person did serve, but not the the shirt is not the indicator. Now thinking about it, I am flying American Airlines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there would be a problem. So if American Airlines has problem with my flag shirt. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, your name is American? Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's not going to work. And don't they have the blue and red red stripes? Uh, they do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so mm-hmm. I think my flag shirt should be acceptable. I'm guessing. I could imagine. Talk show host gets kicked off plane for wearing flag shirt. Well, I I would think it would be quite the opposite on the 4th. I'm sorry. You're not wearing a flag shirt. You'll have to wait yes. until tomorrow. Yes. I get compliments whenever I wear it. Yeah. And I actually have a picture of when my mom was alive when I wore I only wear it. It's it's a it's actually like a button shirt. Mm-hmm. And uh I wore it one time. It's one of my favorite pictures with my mom mm-hmm. from about to uh, about 3 years before she died, so about 6 years ago I wore it. One right. time. And so I just I just love it. And I, when I posted that, I got so much response going. Your mom looks great. And so does the shirt. Yeah. You know, probably, though, what they'll say is when I get kicked off the plane, it wasn't that you wore the shirt, but we listened to your radio show, how you were hoping it would trigger somebody. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's why. Yeah. If you hadn't opened your big mouth, you'd be OK. Yeah. It's not the shirt. It's you. It's <laughs> Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. I'll be on a Texas beach. I think it'll be required that you're wearing because we'll have our we'll have the flag on my truck. We'll have it a flag on the tent. Uh and I'll definitely be wearing a one of my I don't know how many shirts I have now with flags on it. Except this time I'm going to remember to wear an American flag shirt. <laughs> it's, you know, it's hard. Is that a, is that a flag from Uruguay? <laughs> it's, it's so tempting. Where, where would you even get that? It's just so tempting to wear the Russian flag or the big, Chinese flag. <laughs> big sale at Old Navy. It was a big, people mostly miss those sales. It was a clearance sale. <laughs> Ten for a dollar. What flag are you wearing? Well, this week I'm promoting North Korea. Yeah. <laughs> they were ten for a dollar. Yes. What, what are you going to say? Very cheap. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, you, you don't want to do that. Make sure you choose the American flag. And I have, you know, and, and I'll I'll be home early on, on uh, uh, you know, in Texas on Fourth of July. So 
I'll, you know, all my flags. I've got, I don't have the big flag. I have the electric flag, but my spotlights. And then I take all the little flags and put them all across the front lawn and, mm-hmm. and even in the back lawn so people can see them when they're walking down the jogging path. Yeah. Uh, and and I the just, week of Independence Day, I keep those up. I, I'll put them yeah. up probably Friday and, and, and just keep it. Up. And I love it. I mean, I just absolutely, I don't, I just love doing it for, uh, you know, Independence Day. I just love it. I'm Absolutely going love. overboard because on the smaller flags that I put along the garden, one just had just one had a stick break, you know. And so I thought, okay, well, I need to replace that. And then I ordered two dozen more. I, I just it's a it's a thing. I got a sale, and now I'm just going to have to find a place for all the flags. And so I can tell this, and you know, probably a lot of people can relate. It's a couple goes back a couple years ago. I put the flags up and, you know, you, the smaller flags, you put them in the ground mm-hmm. and one apparently did what wasn't, you know, in good enough. And I came out like an hour and a half later and it was bent over and the flag was touching the ground. And I was absolutely horrified. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hor- I mean, it just shows, I mean, that's the mentality that, that we have, you know, it's like, and uh, if you want to call it blind, no, nah, I'm, <laughs> I don't have blind loyalty to anything. I mean, my, the reason that I have the loyalty that I have and the love that I have is based on very specific ideas of yeah. what the United States sure. stands for. Sure. But if you want to say on 4th of July, I have blind loyalty, you can say, well, the impression is by everything you do, you have blind loyalty. I'll say, yeah, okay, today you can say that. I'm not going to argue with you. I'll, mm-hmm. We'll debate that tomorrow. But, yeah, for today, call it blind loyalty. Mm-hmm. I'll take that one. And hopefully we'll end the day with all ten fingers. Well, I don't plan on... Uh, you know, it is Tuesday. I mean, it's so it's not the I don't know. Yeah, the lake will probably people are taking four day weekends, I'm sure, or taking the whole week off. Uh, the lake I stopped by a big warehouse on the way to the beach last year and we we had had fireworks every year, but I ramped it up last year. So this year we got to go overboard again. And so we take them out to the beach and uh, and set them off. I thought there were going to be, you know, probably a dozen of us with big fireworks displays uh, on the beach. And a couple of people had smaller fireworks, but apparently I had the big show. Yeah, they're not it was go- fun. They're not going to have, they don't have any more fireworks at the lake. I mean, it. well, it got to be out of control. They mm-hmm. do it now, I believe, at the, uh, the, uh, the near the racetrack. Right. We have the yeah. big racetrack yeah. in D- yep. DFW in my town. And, but... It used to be. It used. It looked. They used to put up fences so people didn't park on the side yeah. of the roads because there's a lot of rural areas there. Mm-hmm. And you would go through where I live, and it would. It would look. You would think you were in a concentration camp. Mm. I mean, there were so many fences or a prison mm-hmm. that were put. That's what it reminded me of, and it was to keep people. And I think it just got to be too, too crazy out there because they already close almost every weekend. The lake closes by like 10 or 11 o'clock. Not the lake, but the park. The big park on the lake closes by 10 or 11 o'clock because it's too crowded. You mm-hmm. can't even get in. Mm-hmm. And so add fireworks, and they just said it's too much. If you go along I-35 from here north on the night of the 4th, you'll see in the distance, you'll yeah. probably see seven or eight fireworks displays I may, in that range. I may do that. I may there's a there's a pretty cool. there's a huge hill that's right yeah. near me that goes up about yeah. it's the tallest part of all of North Dallas. Yeah. And I, I will look north and and west yeah. and you you're sitting up about I don't know probably 600 feet in the air. Mm-hmm. 
that's going to be quite impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I may uh, do th- I may do that on yeah, it's pretty on, cool on the fourth. Yep, eight six six ninety red eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hardy, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up following the bottom of the hour, uh, we will get uh, uh, to the uh, audio that I have from that we have from CBS and um, uh, uh, covering the whole Hunter Biden situation and actually interviewing the whistleblower. And it's they even mention the whistleblower saying that the Department of Justice tried to do everything they could to keep this from getting to Joe Biden. And that's on CBS and so the I guess the point is you can't you can't really hide it. Quickly on the whole Trump thing because uh, you and I talked about it a little bit on the air and some off the air. Uh he had come out yesterday and just said, you know, no, he was never waving the Iran document in in, in front of them. We had said it yesterday. You see the audio and you're like, okay, you know, what is the Department of Justice trying to do? Uh, because the story came out today that said the Department of Justice from sources, Fox News story, they're not looking to charge him for having the Iran document. And so we're wondering, okay, where does that go for the Espionage Act? And so what would be the purpose of using that? Well, the purpose of using that is not that you're going to charge what he was doing there. So whether he was waving the fake stuff or not doesn't matter. It's the fact that it shows the mindset that he had no problem keeping classified documents. That's and so you get to you get to obstruction of justice, whether that could lead to some other case of of the espionage charge, we don't know. We don't know what, you know, again what they're up to, but that came out from Fox that they're not going to charge him with holding that. And that takes when he's out there saying, I was waving, I wasn't waving it, doesn't matter. That's not what they're looking at. They're looking at what was his mindset. Yeah, if the story from from Fox News, if the source story is accurate, then it really undermines the espionage charge altogether because then you're trying to build it just basically, well, he was, it gets back to this whole willful thing. Well, but now you have to look at every ex-president, you have to look at the current president, Mm -hmm. and you have to look at all of that and say, all right, on the obstruction charge, um, they're going to go. The defense is going to go. We were nego- negotiating the whole time. We were negotiating the whole time. We were negotiating the whole time. He was trying to go through these documents, and you just you you take a lot of the essence out of the case. If they had something, some kind of hard evidence, like a video, just imagine that the author was not an author, but they were a, uh, a, a document, a documentary producer or something and they had a camera and they had something on camera then that would i think that would be a stronger case but i think this is a weak case we'll see where, where they go
the fourth branch of government. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. I don't even know how to respond to that. The fourth branch of government, Red Eye Radio. <laughs> He's Eric Harley. He's president. I'm vice president. He yeah. does He does all the hard work. Mm-hmm. I uh, live down the road a little bit from uh, him, and um, I entertain all night as vice president. Because yeah, Eric will not give me any responsibility as vice Kamala Harris has more responsibility than Eric has given me. Does she really? As the fourth branch of government. Really? No, she doesn't. Really? No. Isn't it amazing how they keep throwing both of them out there like every single day to answer questions and she's all over the place? It's it's really amazing. Yeah, I mean, she's she's just so... She's all been all over the place lately and it's just like, get her off. Well, the, the problem is, is that they're trying to boost her profile. And DeSantis has already basically said, look, if you're voting for Joe Biden in 24, you're really voting for her. Nikki Haley has been big on that one, too. So you're not going to, you know, no one believes that that Biden is going to be able to uh, serve out a second term. There's a lot of questions as to whether or not he can serve out a first term. So uh, if he steps down, she's it. And I think it's a great play by the GOP. In fact, coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, we'll uh, talk a little bit because Pence said something yesterday on on issues. Uh, Trump uh, said a couple of things on issues yesterday, and so did DeSantis. Mm-hmm. And I went, huh? For all three of them. <laughs> I went, huh? Okay, this is where you're going. Mm-hmm. All right, but we'll get to that coming up. Want to get to the CBS report yesterday from their evening news uh, uh, on the uh, IRS whistleblower saying that he was told not to pursue. This is the headline from CBS News, because they interviewed Gary Shapley. IRS whistleblower says he was told not to pursue leads involving President Biden. Mm-hmm. So on CBS, it means they've moved past just trying. You And we said they couldn't. You, you can't continue to focus on Hunter Biden, separate him from the president on these issues. You just right. can't. It's impossible. You can do it temporarily as they've tried to do it, but you can't do it forever. So here is this. Uh, I'll start actually with the entire report from this is such a rare occurrence. <laughs> this has been such a rare occurrence on the mainstream media that we're going to play you the whole report. Yeah. All right. Here we go. All right. Now to a CBS News exclusive with the first television interview with IRS whistleblower Gary Shapley since he spoke with lawmakers last month. A lead investigator in the Hunter Biden case tells CBS's Jim Axelrod that he felt the president's son received preferential treatment and in a stunning claim says that he was blocked from pursuing leads that could have led to the president himself. If this was any other person, they likely would have already served their sentence. Gary Shapley was a lead IRS supervisory agent in Operation Sportsman, the investigation into Hunter Biden. Shapley said he uncovered conduct that warranted more serious charges. There were personal expenses that were taken as business expenses. Prostitutes, sex club memberships, hotel rooms for purported drug dealers. How much did Hunter Biden owe in taxes? So from 2014 to 2019, it was $2.2 million. The back taxes were paid off. And last week, the Trump-appointed U.S. attorney in Delaware, David Weiss, 
reached an agreement with Hunter Biden. The president's son would admit to a firearm charge and plead guilty for his failure to pay taxes. If a judge signs off, the deal means no jail time. Testimony we have just released details a lack of U.S. attorney independence. And Shapley told lawmakers that U.S. attorney Weiss was blocked from bringing stronger charges. But U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland said last week that Weiss was not. I'm saying he was given complete authority to make all decisions on his own. I documented exactly what happened, and it doesn't seem to match what the attorney general or the U.S. attorney are saying today. Shapley provided lawmakers this contemporaneous email he wrote after an October meeting last year. Shapley says Weiss told him the opposite, that Weiss is not the deciding person on whether charges are filed. It was just shocking to me. Shapley, who is still working for the IRS, told us that even before President Biden took office, he was directed to avoid leads involving Hunter's father. There were certain investigative steps that we weren't allowed to take that could have led us to President Biden. And you wanted to take them? We needed to take them. And you weren't allowed to take them? That's correct. It is important to point out that at that point in Chapa's investigation, Donald Trump was still president and his attorney general, William Barr, had rules in place that may have limited what Shapley could pursue. The U.S. attorney's office in Delaware had no comment. As for Hunter Biden, his attorneys did not respond to us. But he said before in a statement that he is taking responsibility for mistakes he made during a period of turmoil. There you go. By the way, the whole statement that uh, this was uh, that. Uh, part of this was done during the, you know, the, the Trump administration doesn't hold any water because the FBI was corrupt and the Department of Justice corrupt under the Trump administration. Right. Going after Trump. So right. that doesn't mean anything. No. And I do think there's some questions that Bill Barr needs to answer. Did he know about it? Well, that's, you know, there's another thing that um, and I think we touched on it uh, the other day. But it, there are two things, um, you know, we, we've been asking, where's the IG on, on all of this? Was there, uh, is, is there a report due? What is the process essentially that involves the, the IG? What part of the whistleblower process uh, took place and what can the IG tell uh, the oversight committees? Then it's exactly what you just mentioned, William Barr. Well, well that goes up to 2020. And so you want to, you you know, what were the rules that you gave and what did you know about that? Yeah. Did, did you know question. specifically but, about this or but, was there just a blanket set of rules right. where they couldn't act on this? But remember, it was October of 2022, not even a year ago, that this is where Weiss apparently had the meeting and told him. So he might have been told something else before. And then by the time it got to October... That's why he told the investigators, I'm not in charge of it last year. So the timeline is important in this, too. Yeah, right. Uh, as, to, as to the Weiss uh, investigation, as to stalling it out during the Trump administration, uh, you need to, you know, it, and if it happened during Barr, uh, his, Barr's tenure, that question needs to be asked to him also. Right. Yep. But we know that inside the the management of the Department of Justice, even if Barr took over, there was a ton of rot inside of there 
inside the Department of Justice and the FBI when Barr was still there. Yeah. So he might have known, he might not have known, but he does have to be asked that question. And I find it interesting that he has been before this came out, the, the, the actual Weiss thing and the timeline of it, Barr was out publicly speaking all the time. Why hasn't he spoken, you know, to this or why hasn't the media asked him any questions? Right. Yeah. Um, there's way too much silence on this. If if the the concern, which it is, the greatest concern is whether or not the current president is compromised. I believe he is. The whistleblowers believe that he is ultimately. I mean, they haven't put it in those words, but ultimately they spell it out in their allegations. Because they believe it goes right to the president, the current president, then former vice president. And now you're going to have to look at these allegations. The, the story's not going away. If CBS is doing the story and the best they could do to defend Biden was that note about, well, during Trump and Barr had rules and blah, blah, blah. They Actually, they said there possibly were rules in place. I mean, that's there. They didn't, didn't cite didn't cite sources. Didn't right, cite anything. Didn't cite anything. But that's that's the best defense. Mm. The only thing close to defense, which is really no defense at all, of the Bidens in a CBS story. Uh, and that doesn't take away the biggest picture of influence peddling. That doesn't take no, away no, that no, at no. all. Which not, is, not at which, all. Which is really the 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 big picture. This uh, was an op-ed piece. Eileen O'Connor wrote it. In, in the Wall Street Journal, she was uh, she headed the U.S. Justice Department's tax division mm-hmm. from 2001 to 2007. And this really gained momentum. We asked the question last week, and she the headline is, throw Hunter Biden's plea deal in the trash. The IRS whistleblowers say justice sabotaged the investigation. So how can the agreement stand? And this is where, you know, you and I talked about, I mean, what does... What can the judge hear? Does the judge have to? We know the judge does not have to accept the plea deal, but what are the parameters that a judge can reject it? And I started thinking, for example, more on a state level, for example, if somebody has committed murder, all right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know that they're, that the the police have done an investigation and believe they have the evidence, and then a plea deal is done up. Uh, Again, I'm exaggerating this here for the just for the sake of the the the, uh, the argument. Charges them with jaywalking. <laughs> That's what you yeah, plead right. guilty yeah, to. Yeah. You know, can you know when it when is the point that a judge and and then you find out okay that that uh, everything was stopped. The police are saying the prosecutors didn't want to hear what we were telling them. They didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear it. Could the judge say this plea deal is garbage? Probably. I think that's sort of what she's trying to say here is, uh, uh, you know, going through the uh, uh, the supervisory agent uh, Shapley in 14 years. And the fact that he still works, by the way, for the uh, the IRS talked about the uh, criminal investigator who chose to remain anonymous. Uh, And um, she said the plea agreement reached between Mr. Weiss and the president's son gives credence to the whistleblower statements. The judge to whom it. Uh, that agreement is presented on July 26th, ought to consider rejecting it. 
IRS special agents are the agency's criminal investigators. They are the best in the world at tracking down the proceeds of crime. Because of this, they are frequently invited by other federal law enforcement agencies to participate in manners uh, far removed from tax crimes. They work hand-in-hand with the assistant U.S. attorneys and Justice Department tax prosecutors to obtain search warrants and other authorization necessary to expand leads. And then goes on to talk about the entire thing here and, and, and basically saying, as somebody who headed the Department of Justice Tax Division, you're talking about the elite of all investigators for criminal activity and, you know, tax evasion uh, and and everything else that goes that that's involved in it mm. and saying these people are credible yeah and you need to throw this out you need to throw this plea deal out and wait because this stinks of the prosecution being dirty and in cahoots with the defendant mm-hmm. yep pretty interesting stuff yeah 86690 yep. red We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. And so reading, uh, Eric, from this uh, uh her, let me get her name again, uh, Eileen O'Connor, who was the head of the Department of Justice's tax division between 2001 and 2007, talking about the fact that under federal law, you have to charge where the crimes were committed. And, right. and, and that's why uh, that the, uh, you know, uh, it was uh, uh, California for the crimes committed between 2016 and 2019 and District of Columbia 2014 and 2015. Mm-hmm. And and so you have to do that. Otherwise, it can be thrown out of court. So right, that's why right. you do it. And they were refused there. Also, she was saying that uh, they um, uh, that it was basically what he didn't pay for the two years was like, there it is. The criminal information, the charging document in the absence of an indictment prepared by Mr. Weiss's office, to which Hunter Biden will reportedly plead on J- July 26, states that Mr. Biden received but didn't pay federal taxes on taxable income of $1,500,000 in 2017 and 2018. House Oversight Committee Republicans claim to have seen Treasury Department suspicious activity reports suggesting Mr. Biden received vastly more than that during the years the IRS was investigating. And if this deal is done and he has immunity from anything else, which, again, we don't know what specifically what the deal is, well, that means... He could get away with not paying taxes on all of that money, you know, because they were talking eight. The Demo, the Republicans are saying eight point three million is what they see mm. that went to Hunter alone, right? During that amount or during right. that time period, yeah. Yeah. and for the Biden family members, what was it, seventeen million, seventeen mm-hmm. point something million? And she's saying that judge can reject plea agreements. That would be an appropriate uh, disposition here. And Congress, in fulfillment of its oversight obligation, must learn and share with the American public what evidence the IRS has gathered. So she's saying the judge can say, sorry, this plea deal is set aside until we figure out what's going on. I think that that is quite possible now. And according to her, it they can do it. We'll, yeah. Let's see if the judge actually does it. 
It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. We is he, Eric Harley, and me, Gary McNamara. He, me, our pronouns. Uh-huh. Or the new GOP candidate in Montana, she, he. That's his name. I know. I didn't give him his name. By the way, he looks like a strong candidate. Very strong GOP candidate. And it's spelled uh, S-H-E-E-H-Y. Pronounced she, he. I didn't give him the name. Definitely. Definitely non-binary. I wonder if he has fun with the whole pronoun thing. He's got it. All right, very quickly before we get back, because I want to get back to something that you had said about uh, that Eileen O'Connor who uh, ran the tax division of the Justice Department from 2001 to 2007, and you brought up a great point. But before we get there, just very quickly, Mm -hmm. uh, because since you brought up the, the candidate, from South Dakota, uh, mm-hmm. yesterday I thought was an interesting day. You have uh, uh, Trump at, uh, attacking. I have no idea, you know, I have no idea why he's using this. You know, he's using uh, against uh, DeSantis, again, COVID, that DeSantis was weak on COVID. And this mm-hmm. DeSantis liked Fauci. I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, you're trying to sell that? Really? But then DeSantis was out there talking about the fact that he said he'll drain the swamp, but I'll actually do it. That might have been okay, but when he said, and I'll really build a wall, he couldn't build a wall, I'll build a wall. Like, wow, there's so many other ways to hit it. And then then Pence comes out and attacks DeSantis and says what DeSantis is doing is anti-capitalism, the whole thing about, you know, Disney. And I'm thinking from Pence's moral Pence is viewed, and I'm not saying this as an insult or sarcastically, you know, if you're talking about being a moral conservative, there probably is no one with a reputation that's stronger than Pence. Right. And for him to come out and state that, you know, DeSantis, what he is doing to uh, Disney is unfair, where Disney had benefits that no other business runs by Mm -hmm. in the state of Florida. Nobody got the benefits that Disney got. There was a basically a special dispensation for Disney. Mm -hmm. And he simply said, if you're going to come out and you're going to publicly come out against a bill and you're going to promote the fact that children should be, uh, should be taught sexualized content and should be told in uh, as five years old, six years old, seven years old, that boys should be girls. If you're advocating for the position of the radical transgender activist movement, that's talking about the fact that children, children should be the deciders of whether they can mutilate their bodies Mm -hmm. 
sorry, you don't get the special benefits anymore. If Pence is trying to make that into an that that uh, DeSantis doesn't believe in capitalism, I just shook my head going, I have no idea where you're going. These candidates, so many of them, you know, Trump was saying, how come you're attacking DeSantis? And he's like, well, because he's in second place. Well, how come you're not attacking anybody else? Because they're not in second place. And he said, Ramaswamy, a good guy. Uh, uh, you know, um, uh, Tim Scott, a good guy. You know, mm-hmm. all good guys. You know, good guys. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like them all. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you always go after the person in second place. And the person in second place always goes after the person in first place. That's what you, what you, uh, <clears throat> you know, that that's what you do. But I just, I... It was a day where I just went, uh, I just went, all the, it seems like the vast majority of candidates are extremely weak. I don't know why Tim Scott's running. He has, I haven't heard anything that he has said, which you would view as newsworthy, that you want. Now, Penn said something that was newsworthy, but it was just, I just went, it doesn't relate. I don't know how that helps your campaign uh, at, at all. And DeSantis I thought he could be stronger, but you don't hear anything from Nikki Haley. You don't hear nobody's. And in order to win, you have to go after Trump. You have to. Mm-hmm. Sure. Now, they're still not going to win. But if you're in the race, why are you there? Right. What's the purpose of being there? And so that would be if I'm OK, you want me to fundraise for you? Why? Well, why should I? Why this should I give you be, money? I think right now the fundraising game has been turned upside down. I think early on there was, you know, you get, uh, and and Trump has been able to leverage the whole thing, uh, the two tier justice system and and all that, a couple of times, and he's raised some money that way. Uh, it's at least several million dollars based on. The indictments against him, the raid on Mar-a-Lago, and all that. Then when DeSantis gets in the game, he's got some donors that were uh, waiting in the wings to, to give him some of the funds. But I really honestly don't know where it goes because from this point on, you're going to have to, you're really going to have to get out there and and earn it. And because you don't have... Those massive funds, I mean, all besides Trump, I know DeSantis has some. But you don't have the uh, the funds that you'll have if you get them in 2024. So everything is about stumping. Everything is about making a statement. Everything is about getting out there and, and doing an interview or speaking at, uh, you know, if whatever event it might be. And you're essentially, that's how you're going to woo those big donors ultimately in the end. And we've been saying, watch the fundraising between now and that first uh, uh, debate in August. Well, man, as of uh, this weekend, we can say the debate, the first debate is next month. And that's, yeah. you know, that's crazy to think, but you really, it, it goes by in a flash. And I really wonder where that, where the big donors are right now. You know, again, I'm looking at it from my perspective of, of what I know, and I don't know what the polls show, for example, DeSantis, because I think DeSantis was right in a couple of things that he said. You know, if I'm if I'm a political consultant and this is 
whenever we talk about this, this is about we're political consultants analyzing what they should do if, you know, what they should do right now in a very strange situation for Republicans because of the support for Trump in the Republican Party because of the two-tier system of justice. Mm-hmm. And and that's just huge right now. You cannot deny it. But I do think that, you know, one of the things that DeSantis actually did that probably hit it, he said, uh, the idea of draining the swamp in some respect, I think, misses it a little bit. We didn't drain it. It's worse today than it's ever been by far, and that's a sad testament on the state of affairs of our country. But even if you're successful at draining it, the next guy can just refill it, so I want to break the swamp. The Florida governor said he would drop the hammer on some federal agencies, including the Justice Department, the FBI, Internal Revenue Service, and end the weaponization of government. His promise of a, a more aggressive approach uh, than, than Trump's uh, ignores the potential legal hurdles if he encounters the election next November. That's why, for example, on the wall, because he actually went after him on the wall two days before, basically saying, you know, we're going to get the we're going to mobilize an emergency day one. You can say all that, but the only reason that Trump didn't get his wall done was the federal courts. Mm-hmm. That's why he didn't get it done. So I view that as being a little weak. But I did I did think that that uh, he hit a couple of good things where he said uh, here, because this is something that could, was a sore spot for people. Um, a voter told DeSantis, most of us in the room voted to drain the swamp twice. He asked why he's the one to get it done this time as opposed to the other choice, which would be Trump. He said, I remember those rallies in 2016. It was exciting. Drain the swamp. I also remember lock her up, lock her up, right? And then two weeks after the election, oh, no, forget about it. Forget I ever said that. No, no, no. One thing you get from me, if I'm going to tell you I'm going to do something, I'm not saying that just for an election. Now, that's a sore spot with a lot of (laughs) Republicans there. Uh, And uh, then, you know, again, talking about draining the swamp, I I think one of the things that he may hit him on because you and I, when Trump, remember Peter Navarro was out there, the Lordstown, remember the, uh, the electric vehicle and the electric truck, and Trump was out there promoting how this is going to be great and everything else and mm-hmm. promoting this is where the government's doing good things. And, and we said, mm-hmm. it's a load of crap. You know, it's the same, it's the same BS being sold by Democrats. Mm-hmm. And we said when Trump did that with Peter Navarro out there, how we're, you know, how we're saving you know, the Ford plant and making it here. And we told we told our audience we got some pushback mm-hmm. because at that point it was still whatever Trump does is right, no matter whether he's a conservative or not in it, because uh, it's Trump. And we said, no, nope, <clears throat> sorry, doesn't matter whether it's Trump or anybody else. We don't care. Either it's a right move or it's not the right move. Well, they filed bankruptcy yesterday, Lordstown. Yeah. Only made a couple of dozen of vehicles, had no sales. Right. It was a complete bust. And Trump supported it. And it's about EVs. DeSantis should hit that big time. Yeah. Big time he should hit that. Sure. Sure. Because that's something right now with the grid and everything else and energy and and oil and natural gas production. This is what you have to look at and say, you know, Trump on one hand, yeah, he, he wanted to promote the expansion of it. But he was pushing for EVs. He's pushing for ethanol. He's pushing for everything that the Democrats are pushing for that will make the country not, you know, self-sufficient in energy. Right. You can't have it both ways. You can't be pushing both sides because the Democrats attempt to do that. You've got to be crystal clear on it. And Trump was not. I'm saying that would be the advice as a political analyst 
I would give to DeSantis at this point. I believe. Well, look, it, because it resonates, especially where we are with all the mandates on EVs yes. and everything else. And the fact that Ford has come out uh, and you've seen their their numbers tank as a result of EV production and the lack of profits. And the sector is is flailing. I mean, you have companies like Rivian right now that everybody's looking at going, wow. I mean, long term, how do you make this work? If you don't pour and there's less support now than you've ever had for pouring more government incentives into it, more government money. And you can't do that forever. But I just thought it was a weak point by DeSantis saying he didn't get the wall built. I will. Mm -hmm. That's what he basically said. Well, you still have to go through the same. What you do you believe that if the courts didn't stop him? That Trump would not have built the wall. I don't think you're going to convince many people of that. I just thought there was a poor angle for DeSantis. Mm -hmm. And like I said, with with uh, with Pence, I'm just shaking my head going, wow, you really have nothing. Yeah, because that's what you're coming out with, because Democrats were attacking him on that. Mm -hmm. And and so was uh, Nikki Haley, in a way, saying, bring Disney here. And it's like. Do you understand? What, I mean, I, I, why would you jump into that? Right. Why, why is there any well, self awareness there? Right. Well, and again, I, I I don't know why that is going on with some Republicans. I don't know what the game is. Is it that Disney's too big to take on? That they're so ingrained in this mindset that no, it's a huge corporation. We can't take them on. We're going to lay down like Republicans have done in the past. Because if that's your game, I want no part of it. None. I don't care how big. In fact, the bigger the corporation, then the harder they should fall for this kind of mindset that children at such young ages should be taught sexualized content. Yeah. I don't care who you are. I don't care how big the corporation is. That's that's a problem. If you're going to say, well, we're going to look the other way on this because they create jobs, because they bring revenue into the state. Tell your kids that. Go join the Democratic Party at that point. Yep. That's far beyond being a sellout. Yeah. And so when Pence said it, I just... It, that, uh, yeah, I that, don't get that. That it, blew my mind well, because, yesterday. I'm because just like, wow. You, you saw that um, uh, Trump was speaking to... Uh, evangelists uh, the other day, and if and and I thought to myself, well, I don't know if, if Pence has actually done it. Maybe it just didn't make the news. But if you're going to say any of the candidates right now that would appeal to the evangelists, it would be Pence. Yeah. So that whole move on uh, in, in position on Disney just doesn't make sense at all. Right. At all. And in, in fact, Pence should be actually be hitting the flip flop that Trump is being accused of doing on abortion, where mm. when he was president, oh, yeah. we'll right. put people in jail, Supreme Court justices mm-hmm. to do it. And now, well, we believe now that that there should be exceptions for abortion, life of the mother, rape, mm-hmm. incest, all that, mm-hmm. which was not the position that he held. And so if you're looking at weakening from Pence's point of view, that would be something that you would hit. Right. Yeah, I don't get the whole play on Disney. Yeah, I don't. Like I said, if you're going to hit morality or, or you're going to hit the 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 culture religious conservative issues out there the abortion is the one that, that I would hit if I'm a political and I'm doing this as a what I would do as a political consultant that's how we do this to each candidate right that's our mindset right. going into this 
you know, not that we necessarily personally believe this. We're talking about how you target certain candidates to go after the other candidates mm-hmm. is what we're doing here, right. just so you understand that. So eight six six ninety red eye. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at JJ Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on roadside inspections. Roadside inspections all begin with the driver interview, during which the officer will gather basic information from the driver and prepare the driver for the inspection. The officer will also be evaluating the driver, determining if the driver can speak English, is under the influence of anything, has an illness, or is fatigued. The officer will ask the driver for required documents, including vehicle and driver credentials, the driver's log, and shipment paperwork. The officer may also conduct a vehicle inspection. Before beginning the inspection, the officer will take steps to make sure the inspection can be done safely. These include chalking the wheels, wearing personal protective equipment, and explaining what will be required of the driver. The driver needs to pay close attention to these instructions so that the vehicle inspection can be conducted in a manner that is safe for the inspection official. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. So, uh, yeah, I know we got off the topic uh, a little bit that we were uh, on, but it was interesting. Just, I just want to touch on this uh, before we talk about what might be the energy future of America that could replace fossil fuels. Really, this is less than a year old because it was the U.S. Geological Survey presented this model, and a lot of scientists and the oil companies are now jumping on this, and we'll tell you what it is coming up following the bottom of the hour. But you made a point about that judge for looking at the Hunter Biden deal. And and it's something we asked before, but you said the first question she should ask is, you know, this plea deal, why? Why? What is, what is the defendant giving you? Yeah. Because if you're talking about, well, we just want to save the taxpayer money on the trial. Well, that's not enough because you, you have overwhelming evidence here. Right. Before the plea deal, you had over, and everybody knew it, the overwhelming evidence for these particular charges. So why do you, what is there that, what can he offer the government in return is what I would want to know. Because that's really the basis of a plea deal. It's not just about saving taxpayer money. Because this has been going on for a long time. The investigation that they believe, because I, this is a judge, well, what I get from these investigators from what I've heard from them, is the evidence was so slam dunk, you could have done this way yeah. before the statute right. of limitations. Right. This was cut and dry. This right. wasn't that complicated to to do so. So why? Yeah. Why did you do it? Right. What's the purpose? Are you? Is he? Is he rolling over on somebody else? Is right. he rolling over on the big guy? Yeah. That's is the, exactly. <laughs> well, that's that's what I want to know. What is he giving up that that makes this a sweet deal? Is he going to stay? Is he going to give you the Godfather and Luca Brasi?
You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So uh, you and I were just, uh, you know, we're talking about, you know, where the country is going when it comes to solar and wind and energy and everything else. And we're just saying, you know, they're just they're they're doing everything wrong. Uh, It is important to bring up. And this is really because you had it was October of 2022. Wow. Everything happened last October, didn't it? (laughs) A lot did. Yeah. Uh, Is when the U.S. Geological Survey presented a model to the Geological Society of America. When we talk hydrogen, you've heard that talk maybe a little bit more. It still isn't widespread news out there. But the problem with hydrogen is the fact of making it. And for the process of electrolysis, for making hydrogen out of water, you need more electricity. You need to put more in than you actually get out of it. That's always been the problem. But what if natural hydrogen exists? And really, in the last couple of years, uh, it has come where the belief is now that there is a great chance that there is enough natural hydrogen in the ground that uh, actually the researchers say, uh, this is from science.org, say water-rock reactions deep within the earth continuously generate hydrogen, which percolates up through the crust and sometimes accumulates in underground traps. And that's how they first found it, basically, in 2012. Mm-hmm. In a mm-hmm. small village, was uh, Mali is, I think, mm-hmm. the, the country, mm-hmm. where they actually found it. They Fires were happening and they realized it was natural hydrogen. And so all of the oil companies, were you reading an article recently that all the oil companies now are behind it? Well, it, you have that- uh, BP, Shell, and Chevron that are part mm-hmm. of a consortium that are looking into, uh, you know, exploring this as a really, it, 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 it's many are calling it a, an endless source. So what you, what they're finding is that these conditions are all right in the areas where in a tectonic rift there is iron, lots of iron, and lots of water. The water and that iron are creating that, and it's kind of a mid-level degradation of that iron. It's not quite to the rust stage, but in, in that setting, it's producing this hydrogen naturally. So you get this in uh, in in the earth naturally. You get it. They're finding it in uh, abandoned uh, coal mines, and and that's happening naturally too. Not as a result of uh, any work that had been done in those coal mines. They're finding it here, of course, in the states. They're finding it in Australia. They're finding it in parts of Africa. They're finding it in parts of France. So the idea is, and they 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 call it fully dispatchable. This, which means. This is usable. And they say that there could be right now, this doesn't count what the earth will generate going forward, but right now there could be 150 trillion metric tons of natural hydrogen. One billion tons would power the entire U.S. for a full year. So it would last uh, the rest of my lifespan. At least. <laughs> and you think about that, and yeah. the the major OEMs all have some type of hydrogen uh, uh, fuel car uh, that, that's out there. Uh, Honda has been kind of the leader. 
I, I, I said all, it may not be all, but a number of them uh, have. And I was looking at a list of uh, the, the fuel cell uh, vehicles uh, that are out there. And, and you know, I, I think the question would be, because a fuel cell vehicle, a hydrogen vehicle, really is, uh, it really is an EV. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you look at it from that way, you're talking about no carbon emissions here, right? If, if you were to set up the grid in that we could use hydrogen for powering the U.S. and powering vehicles, the OEMs would be on board. If it was plentiful energy, the OEMs would be manufacturing in a, in a massive way. And let's, let's see if that happens. Uh, I guess they're waiting to see if the energy companies are going to go after this and how feasible it is, what it's going to cost to get it essentially from the ground to the pump or to your home, wherever that's going to be, where, wherever it's going to be used. And what the concerns would be, and, and also, again, we're, we're not set up to use hydrogen just yet, but how right. long would that take? What, what, what are we talking about in terms of having to completely, if you think about it, uh, redo the grid? But would we, is, I guess, is the question I would have, and I don't know the answer to that question. Um, how much could hydrogen just fill in in terms of uh, natural gas uh, how much of that equation changes in terms of powering the grid uh, if we are going to go for, you know, again, uh, something that could easily be deemed as a sustainable uh, source. And and you look at that and it solves so many things. Um, the intermittency issues with wind and solar, well, that's gone. And the fact that the earth keeps producing it. And also, I would have to say, uh, because I go back to Harold Vinegar, uh, one of the engineers at, at, at Shell, over 30 years, he found out how to speed up the process of converting that shale oil, the rock, to oil and natural gas through in situ conversion. And my question would be, if... We discover how the earth, and apparently we have, is producing this hydrogen. Can it not teach us something about producing it ourselves if we ever got to the point of it not being feasible, mm-hmm. you know, and not being fully dispatchable based on uh, the locations of the of the naturally occurring hydrogen and, and all of that? I mean, as, as uh, this is from Science uh, dot com and and they talk this is an article written in February they said uh, critically natural hydrogen may not uh, be may not be only clean but also renewable mm-hmm. it takes millions of years for buried and compressed organic deposits to turn into oil and natural gas right, as we right. know by contrast right. natural hydrogen is always being made afresh yeah. when underground yeah. water reacts with the iron minerals right. at elevated temperatures and pressures in the decades since boreholes began to tap hydrogen in Mali, flows have not diminished. Hydrogen appears almost everywhere as a renewable source of energy, not a fossil fuel, but it's still the early days, as they note. Scientists don't still completely understand how it forms and migrates, and most important, whether it accumulates in a commercially exploitable way, which, again, is, is that's that's the problem. Well, it's that's uh, always the problem. And, and the experts in the in the Forbes 
article in Forbes has been doing has done a series of these uh, essentially starting last fall. And they had a new article that uh, they posted uh, yesterday. Um, And the they their experts say it's fully dispatchable. Well, okay, but what does that mean? How feasible is it? In other words, what would have to happen? If you were to lay it out in, I don't know, a 10-step plan and a very basic layman uh, understanding kind of way of how we would take this naturally occurring hydrogen and use it, um, what would have to happen? Because if the entire grid has to be rebuilt, now you talk about, I don't know, what kind of investment... What do we know about the naturally occurring? Is it that it really is endless or are we too early in the process to know exactly how any one location might produce um, that, that hydrogen? Because when you go in and you look for natural gas and you go in for oil, you know, they can basically determine, they, they kind of know that one spot may not be given up that oil uh, for a certain period of time. It, it, it's going to be a finite amount of, of oil coming from any one location, right? Well, this may not be, or it may be. It may be that, okay, at some point, when there is a crossover and that iron is no longer, and that, and that process of the water and the iron combining to create that hydrogen is not is is not feasible anymore and it's not creating that hydrogen how long does that process take and and we could very well be far too early in the in the um i guess discovery stages here to know that as they point out though uh, of course hydrogen has its faults faults as an energy source from science.com one kilogram of hydrogen holds as much energy as a gallon of gasoline but at ambient pressures, the same kilogram of hydrogen occupies more space than the than the drum of a typical concrete mixing truck. Pressurized tanks can hold more, but add weight and cost to vehicles. Mm-hmm. Liquefying hydrogen requires chilling to minus two hundred and fifty three de- minus two hundred fifty degree fifty three three degrees centigrade. Usually, that is in itself a disqualifying expense. Well, it's it's the it it would be. Uh, much greater than the concerns of LNG, right? Remember the LNG and, okay, who's going to be qualified to handle this at the pump? Uh, What is the process going to be for the consumer, anybody, to get out of the pump and and, and handle this and and what is is required to do that? Uh, This is far more complicated. Yeah, and and like I said, the liquefying of the hydrogen, which you would need in order to transport it to where – it is it is it is needed because mm-hmm. we don't know how widespread around the world you would need. And, you know, they they uh, finished digging a borehole in Nebraska in 2019. That mm-hmm. was the first one mm-hmm. you know, in the United States. Mm-hmm. So, again, I, let's be honest. I'm not going to see this in my lifetime to any type of mass production of, of this. It won't replace oil and natural right. gas right now. Right. But it is. But you could you, I could yeah. see that transition happening and it also happening in a way. Where because one of the things that the energy companies do, if if they find that there is a path, then they can expedite 
quite often they can expedite that process through the technology. One of the things that, that happened with horizontal drilling is it, it ramped up uh, production but, uh, because it expanded the sites of, uh, you know, of, of essentially where you could drill, where you could go into the ground, including areas of uh, uh, far west Texas that are far were considered to be at one point far too rocky to go into. Mm-hmm. And now with horizontal drilling, you can go in and you can produce oil and natural gas. And they also talk about the fact that, well, the use may not be commercial first. All right. the energy that right. industry uses, there could be for major industries, would be where you might first go with all this uh, natural hydrogen. They talk about there's room to replace in heavy-duty vehicles that are ill-suited for batteries, they say, or gas, or more batteries, trucks, ships, uh, all which can handle larger tanks. Uh, industries such as steel that require high-temperature combustion are likely another market, and they go into, you know, basically ammonia fertilizers today are made by using hydrogen. Right. And so, you know, they say there may be, it may be where you see it come in uh, to help, you know, reduce the fact that uh, wind and solar aren't consistent. Right. Uh, is is that hydrogen may be used in industry first, which uses a tremendous amount of electricity or power, and you use it there, you know, before you actually commercialize it for personal use or transportation, general mm-hmm. transportation uses. So, again, it's we're at the baby stages of it. It's really in the last year that the U.S. Geological Survey came out and said, there may be a lot of it. There well, may be a lot of this and, stuff. And if it's true that the Earth can continuously produce it in certain areas for such a long time, you know, you mentioned it takes millions of years to for the Earth to convert rock to that oil and natural gas. One of the things that confounded uh, the the former uh, engineer at Shell. Um, he's now in Israel, by the way. Um, and he wanted to con- find a way to convert that shale to that oil and natural gas much quicker. And he did. Uh, and he did that through a process called in situ conversion. And when you look at this, this would dwarf all of the advances made with that discovery, if you can contain it and if it is fully dispatchable. 86690-RED-EYE. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. So, yeah, just uh, looking at what the future uh, may bring and if they ever could tap into the hydrogen and make it commercially uh, available, that would be, and because it's naturally occurring, that would be the best. Because, you know, they're having problems with any way that they that they try to make, uh, as we've talked about, hydrogen has problems. Yeah, you know, right. Whether it's if it's electrolysis or uh, some of the other ways that they attempt to make it, where they it it uh, again it's it's as bad as fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. It actually the residue of it is actually carbon. But they're hoping we'll make we'll make hydrogen, then bury the car- carbon dioxide. Mm-hmm. By the way, environmentalists now are coming out against that. You see yeah, that? Yeah. And by the way, let the big energy companies spend their money on it, right? 
and looking into it. Let them do the exploration. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.